0: Welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? Another Knock On Podcast. You're like, what is going on? Two in a row? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, we're here in Maryland. My last podcast, you guys, I'm sure, enjoyed uh, with Dr. Carl. He was awesome. Learned tons of stuff about whitetails. But part of the reason why him and I were introduced is because we were here um, or I was here getting educated on the new Sitka fanatic whitetail system which i was fortunate enough to to have and utilize this past fall i couldn't talk about it because it was top secret then um i knew it was awesome but i really didn't know why and honestly now um after coming here this past week um they brought me out to the gore headquarters and if you follow instagram you saw me in the extreme weather chamber where some pretty awesome testing had, you know, concluded with this system. So for this podcast, I'm here with three other guys. I'm here with James Black, who is an acoustical engineer um, from Montana State University.
1: You're an instructor too? Yeah, I consult and I teach classes at Montana State.
0: We have to talk about your... Uh, he was telling us about some of the sound chambers he's been in that are so quiet that you could actually hear your own blood flow through <laughs> your body, which <laughs> drives you a little nuts. <laughs> uh, creepy, but I want to do it. Um, and then also uh, Chris Derrick, who is from SICA and specifically from the Whitetail Division. Um, product? I guess it'd be product. Just product, yep. That's Just all I work on. You actually. don't have like product and development. Like, I don't know, you're in Barclays individual titles, but I call you Chris. So I go by Chris. Yeah, that, Will that and work? I
2: just, yeah, I just say product for my name.
0: Well, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll either... I don't know if I'll launch it right at the ATA show. Um, a lot of people don't know this yet, but I won't be at the ATA show. Um, I'm bowing out of the ATA show this year. So instead... I wanted to bring some, some podcasts talking about some of the products that I'm already familiar with. Um, but just from a time time point of view, um, I'm pressed right now. So it was just too much time um, away for me with uh, with my family and, and stuff like that. Sharon's actually due for hip surgery, which isn't going to be fun. Um, so I'm dealing with that. But... Man, this has been a crazy, crazy few days to be able to come here you You explained to me how awesome the new fanatic was, and I wore the old fanatic um which I got first, and then I got the new fanatic sample and obviously, I knew right away there was a big improvement. Um, and I want to have a disclaimer first too, and let people out there know, you know, yeah, sometimes I bring people on that are product specialists and especially with products that I really like or products I've chosen to use. Um, if you don't want to hear it, you can hit stop. (laughs) Bye. Um, (laughs) because I do it with a lot of different products and I, I like to, I like to talk about things I'm fascinated about and things that are interesting. And I like good stuff. I mean, you know, I'm not, when I was 18, I probably could have made the argument. I can't afford that, but I'm not 18 anymore. I'm 42. Um, So I, if I can get good stuff, I get it. And I want to know, you know, and a lot of times I want, I want the best and regardless of the category. So that's where I'm at. And I feel like, people that do complain about price need to realize that they get what they pay for. And if you're wanting to pay for something, that's the best of the best, then you should probably know why. Um, so you should probably start with, cause I mean, I'm not familiar enough with Sica and where the fanatic started mm-hmm. or where you wanted to like make the improvements. And then, how these guys came into the picture because this was a pretty extensive study and the group of individuals to to bring in to develop this product so where did that start
2: yeah this is honestly the most fun project i've ever worked on um for for me the fanatic that we had before i mean it was a really great product like and and it kept you super warm Um, and especially in like really frigid conditions, but one of the things that, maybe with all laminates is they can tend to get a little noisy and the way that one was constructed um, especially in cold weather uh, it
0: it, amplifies it
2: amplifies and so what what really happened like to give you a real world hunting situation um, I was this was during the field testing period and we had like 12 different field testers wearing this product um, when we were going through this phase but I would wear the one fanatic one day and the new fanatic the next day um, just back and forth while I was hunting in Alberta and it was super super cold and um, I had a I was leaning against a tree
0: up in the Bow Zone
2: up in the Bow Zone with yeah, Jim Hall which
0: is notorious for super cold and uh, a buddy of mine Eric Griba who's uh he actually he's a hockey player for the Devils uh, he went hunting in the Bozone last year and he told me he's like, dude He goes I barely moved a finger and got busted. Like he told me and it, you know, and I don't even know what clothes he was wearing, but he's like, I literally like barely moved, man, and I was pegged. He goes, I've never seen but the sound I heard—it just carries unreal up there. It
2: does. It's it, there's no leaves and it's super still. It doesn't get a whole lot of wind, and when it's like those days, it—I've—I've it, I've never experienced. Like I didn't. Jim would tell us about this, and it's really made him kind of OCD. have i have i nicknamed him the silent fanatic, like he is. Like, he just takes it to the next level. He'll, like, wrap it. He won't let you go out in the field unless you pass the test. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's literally you go, you pass the test. And if you don't, you sit down and you keep going until you pass the test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, we, I went up there and I was I was against the tree. I'd been there for, you know, so long. And, obviously, vapor's coming out when because I'm producing heat. But it's super cold and I'm leaning against the tree. I hear something coming. I can tell it's a deer because of the weight. And I'm turning my head, trying to figure out where it's coming from, real slowly. Um, and you know, I turn my head to the right and to the left, real slow. And then finally, I pegged like where it's coming from, and to my left. And literally, the motion of me brushing my arm against that tree trunk just was like. And and normally, like if you were in a place that had a lot of leaves and wind, it may have not been a big deal. Yeah. But there, that sucker pegged and ran out to like seventy yards and stopped and looked at me and didn't give me a shot couple days later, I was hunting a nearby scrape line right by there. Same deer came back following some does. He split off from the does to go check his scrape because they weren't in full rut. Yeah. And uh, he, he kind of went around the tree on the backside of me, and I turned, um, you know, all the way around the tree, and the new Fanatic was able to draw on him on one side. He definitely got downwind of me and kind of, like, turned and started walking quickly the other way. I was able to turn all the way back around, turn and pull, draw on him again, and do all those movements within this deer was at 25 yards and i decided to let him go because he's right at the 140 mark which just that's not what you're going there for but that's like how how kind of the real world so what we wanted to do is in a lab environment we had done a lot of work with analyzing textile noises um to be able to get the product where we were but then we also wanted to take that lab result and simulate real world conditions so what we could do is put, like, build garments and, like, put people in a really quiet room somewhere, and then, but there would be no cold. Yeah. So the only way, and then we could put them in a real cold chamber at Gore, but that place, you saw how noisy it was in your yeah. video. Mm-hmm. So we had to bring in some sort of chamber, and then, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert in sound, like, I'm, and I'm not, an, I like, I understand, I've hunted deer for all, yeah. pretty much my whole life, but... I haven't been working with deer for 40 years, so part of what I wanted to do is leverage these experts' knowledge to kind of help us understand what happens with the sound and then how deer interpret that sound.
0: Yep. So, you brought in James James to build the sound chamber to where it was dead enough in there and we had the microphones to be able to measure true sound, I guess. Well, from a tone point of view to y- where you felt like it was accurate and how it would relate to
2: yeah and it was more about leverage so gore actually has a group that's called the comfort team and even one of the aspects that you if you're like how you feel but um gore also they look at maybe like how you interpret the product or how you perceive it and that's part of comfort like so noise could be a part of it yeah so they have a team that does have a quite a bit of understanding and obviously they use a lot of their um gore membrane and actually like earbuds mm-hmm. for example or phones so they have a whole group that's actually understands how sound works Do they really yeah we didn't even dig into that while we we're there did? wow i didn't know that yeah and then so but james it makes sense but yeah and james but they may not have enough time to spend with us and james really he he can t- point us in the right direction i guess you'd say that's, that's really what he said. Hey, you should probably take a look at things this way or you need to change what you're doing in order for this to be valid and scientific.
0: Yeah. I think what's cool is this is your first bow hunt, isn't it, James?
1: It's my first in a long time.
0: Okay. I think it's cool that you're very specific to to sound and music, right, I assume? Because I saw you yes, play guitar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's neat that you... Really identify with just sound, but you don't have like a, a preconceived notion of, I know what deer like, because I think it'd be easy for me to say that. Like if I went in there with the test, I'd be like, I know how deer react to this sound. Whereas the combination between these two, you're able to say, well, this is what the sound is. And then he's able to say, well, that's interesting because based on (laughs) however many years of studies you know, they start to parallel some of the studies that they've been doing down at the university too. And then obviously um, I saw what's unfortunate for the podcast listeners is they haven't really been able to see the graphs that I saw. Um, When I went in, I actually did the movements so you could see how your movements actually plotted on those sound curves. And then obviously those were overlaid with what you found with deer and how they react similar to what we talked about in the last podcast. Is that right?
3: Right. And we, we actually confined our measurements specifically towards the, the peak area where deer actually can hear the best.
0: I'm turning you up a little bit. So did you get that? <laughs> Maybe. Can you guys hear them? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, that exactly. Um. Well, what, where were we at and where did, you know, where do we want to, where did you want to be? I mean, to the, let people know.
2: Yeah. The idea, I mean, we broke like a concept statement when we, what we were trying to achieve, but it was really around maintaining the comfort level of the current fanatic while making it quieter. And so part of what the the team was doing there is they have this machine that's called the Gore noise analyzer. It basically moves the fabric or textile packages around in a way that um, mimics uh, like a sleeve movement so if you were to it for everybody that's listening if you are to just crank your arm in a circle uh it it kind of does that movement and then it picks up on two noise or really they they narrowed it down on the different frequencies um so typically in textiles there's two noises that are made one is buckle and that happens at about 125.
1: 125 is what was measured with the gore noise analyzer
2: Yep, and that's that's a that's one hundred twenty five um, hertz. Yep. So if you ever take a rain sl- drain jacket, for example, like a real rain jacket, and you roll the sleeve, you'll hear popping. Yep. It'll, it sounds like popping. That's buckle, and then rustle happens at about three thousand or a little over three thousand hertz, and that's like if you took your hand on your sleeve and rubbed it, and that's rustle. Uh, that's what we call rustle. So it's the brushing sound of if you rub your sleeves together, um, and really. Part of what we were looking at a guy named um, Henry Hefner. He he studied also how deer hear as well um, through some some testing he did with some deer he had in a lab. And part of what Carl did was point us in the direction of that and said, "Hey, this is another study that kind of confirms um, you know what we and it gives us some guidance." And one of the things that we really focused on is because of that curve, we knew or we thought or we think that deer can't maybe hear. The buckle as much as the rustle, and the rustle is the noise we knew really need. And that's totally goes back to that story I talked about when I turned. Yeah, that's the rustle noise that was
0: created. It's like fabric on bark. Yeah, more fabric. than fabric bending, so to speak, or you know, like you said. Um, is that the test that we talked about? Where did he do like electronic confirmation on that?
3: No, we, we actually did the electronic work at Georgia first, and then this study done by Hefner and Hefner up in the University of Toledo we talked about in okay. the last podcast. They actually trained deer to respond to these different sounds and give a behavioral response when they heard these, these sounds, kind of like Pavlov's dog type stuff. Yeah. It's called conditioning. Yep. And they, you know, they were able to get an, a detailed what's called an audiogram, which basically shows you know, the, the decibel pressure that's needed to, for them to be able to perceive a sound at each different frequency.
0: That's awesome. So you were really looking to try different fabrics to where, when that's those sounds were made, the decibel range would be outside of what the whitetail hear the best. Correct, and and what's cool? not only quieter, but because even if it's quiet, if it's what's in their wheelhouse, they're going to hear it better, right? Yeah. So if so, it's so you almost need it outside of the wheelhouse and quieter. Yeah.
2: And the, the, what was neat about the GNA is like, we could text it was, so when we changed the fanatic, we didn't like just change like one thing about it. The whole textile package is changed. It's a completely different Berber. It's a completely different insulation. It's a completely different wind stopper. And we could throw all of those different packages in and narrow it down. Like we had some ones that could even get quieter, for example, than the one that we have. Yep. But, they made it like so heavy or like a non-usable product
0: yeah you needed the comfort to remain yeah. at the level that people are comfortable with it what yeah. they expect i guess out of it
2: yeah and like even like the insulation so now we're in using instead of the Meloft silver we're using the premaloft silver ultra high loft and it's it's basically what's called like a v-lap and it's it base it, the way it's a really soft and supple insulation super breathable and but we've actually found that it lowered it another two phones or decibels, depending on how you're looking at what frequency. And so, and that's really, and so we we knew we had to get down below five phones, uh, difference to be a significant amount. And with the GNA, we saw it get below like 12 phones difference. So that's a huge difference in, and maybe James can explain it. James explain
0: what like phones are because people understand decibels or volume like, put it on volume 10, Siri. I want a jam. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, phones are... Think You think about a curve that's kind of shaped like that threshold of audibility that Dr. Carl was talking about. So it reflects where an animal, in this case a deer, is sensitive to sound in terms of frequency and where it's not. So when you go up... And you get to a certain point uh, above the threshold, you're pushing the phone level up to kind of a curve that, that is similar to that, but at a higher level. And whatever that number is, is the phone rating.
0: And so even though I did see with, a, did you have like eight different fanatics? Were there like eight different samples? There in, was several different in, samples on that chart. Oh, there was like twenty something.
2: That's only a sampling of
0: it. Oh, was it okay? Because yeah. there was, I remember seeing, there was a point maybe three or four deep where you were outside of the range that, you know, that these two guys would have liked from a deer's hearing point of view, but there was some like you said that were, went way down that were better. But I I never saw those sets. But those must be the ones where you said they were just like so heavy or they were probably like so puffy that, you know, they weren't practical you or. You couldn't
2: pack it. Yeah, You would not even, I mean, it would, it would have been an awful experience. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's face it. I was like, oh, it's, it's really And great. the
0: new, um, the new exterior is way better for burrs too, which I have a serious problem with that in Iowa normally. Yeah. And so I think that's a big selling point. I don't know how much you guys are talking about that, but yeah. it is.
2: Yeah. I I actually sent out like a survey to a bunch of really good whitetail hunters. And the number one complaint that was coming back was, was burr pickup. Yeah. Um, And it's not that that product was really designed to be able to pack in, but you know, inevitably you're going to walk through burrs. Um, And if you're in a high burr area. So what I wanted to do was solve that. So now the lower on the bibs, um from the upper thigh down and then also in the gusset panel as uh like a really smooth face fabric that you can pluck off burrs if they got on there without having to dig them in like yeah. when my my old one would get burrs i'd pay my kids like
0: a nickel a burr and they would literally <laughs> come with their little plastic bag of burrs and, and i'd be broke i bought this velcro mitt at a deer classic one time have you ever seen them i've heard of this thing yeah it's like a velcro mitt have you seen it And all you do is, like, circle motions on burrs when it's on fleece. And it it almost, like, clings better. So they let go of Mm. what you have it on, and they kind of go to that. And then if you take two of those mitts and you rub them together, they just fall off. So, like, those um, stick-tight burrs, you Mm -hmm. know, those little ones they are, like, BBs, they're the worst. Like, to me, those are the worst. Those are the worst. Mm -hmm. You can just rub the mitts together, and they just come off. Yeah, I've I've
2: heard of that. I heard and I've heard other people sticking them in freezers. I have not tried that yet myself. That sounds
0: out. like it will not work. <laughs> it didn't sound like <laughs> it to me either, but
2: um but the the uh uh that yeah, that that burr pickup was a key thing and then also on the uh, hem of the jacket, for example, I would always get burrs stuck under the
0: underside yeah, of the Yeah, and that hip. gets aggravating because that's like where it could potentially touch your like your under layers you yeah. know what I mean I yeah. hated it when it would be on the bottom inside of the jacket and then it would get on the waistband of like your base yes and then that would eventually find its way into the inside of your base and it yeah that's not fun so you you kept the fleece more in the areas where there was contact on itself to where it could be quieter yeah right
2: yeah and that and that one of the things the fact that it is berber face that does make it quieter if you take a smooth face and maybe interact with a tree Mm -hmm. uh, that actually can make it a little bit louder um and another thing we were trying to do is like when we mapped like on the like if you're a right-handed bow or a a right-handed archer you will see there's no fabric on the inside of the sleeve that's really for your string clearance so you don't have that interacting and then on your draw arm there's nothing on the inside so when you pull tight or when you pull them back Coming there's no your bulk. full draw yeah there's, yep there's no uh, bulk in your elbow because i had some samples made without that and it felt really chunky in there yeah and then we also i knew that it wasn't going to work for all bow hunters so we actually introduced the first left-hander's jacket. Yeah, there's going
0: to be some people happy about that.
2: Yeah, so if you're a lefty, there's actually a jacket with everything flipped to the other side for lefties only.
0: I know some handheld release shooters that actually want a left-handed jacket just because where the zip comes up, Mm -hmm. it's not right where they're anchoring, like Mm -hmm. down underneath their jaw. Yep. So that, you know, with the left-handed, even though they're right-handed, with the left, if your neck is zipped up It'll be clear now. If you unzip it and you have it flipped, you could potentially have it. You could maybe put a magnet there too to
2: help get that out of the way.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. When so now on the fanatic, um, when you unzip it and fold it over, instead of like having to tuck it under, it has a magnet that'll hold that. I'm going to call it a Dracula collar. Mm Kind of more to the shoulder, more like on your front delt.
2: Yeah, a lot of people ask why that angled zips there, just so everybody knows the weird way that zip goes, is because it allows you to have a hand muff built into the jacket. And so your hands can touch. Uh, We even put like a little mesh piece in there to hold the chemical hand warmer. I would always throw them out on the ground on accident. Yeah. And I, I didn't want people when they were maybe pulling their hands out when they finally saw a deer coming, to throw that out at the key moment and that bit of motion, get them busted. So
0: once I've had a front pocket, it's amazing to me how much I'm in that thing. (laughs) Like when I'm sitting, I almost have my arms crossed in that front pocket. And I love the, the zip that's on the outside where Mm -hmm. like it's, I almost have, if you look at me in a picture, if I'm wearing a fanatic, I look like I'm about two seventy with a beer gut. But it's because in that front pocket, I've got pull up ropes, carabiners, headlamps, like that that's my catch all that front pocket is a catch all, so as much as it is kind of annoying to get used to zipping from the side and across there's like the practical outweighs the you know the fact that you have a zipper coming across your neck, I think the practical outweighs it.
2: Yeah yeah it's really nice and you you're lucky enough to be the one that actually has the magnet that works properly because obviously if <laughs> you do prototypes they don't turn out right and yeah uh,
0: mine is not right so well, i think just because mine was the latest the last one to get done yeah i have to order special ones and extra tall <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, i think you guys just so everyone knows they are they are looking at the the you're calling it extra tall I'm calling it normal tall situation <laughs> um but you know uh the positive and the negative if I'm totally upfront and honest is you guys do a really good job of planning down the road and like I'm seeing you even here with some stuff that I know is like 2 years away Um, so it's good that you're testing it that far ahead of time because you get it right before you bring it to market. But, you know, it's a, it's a bummer that when we want something, it can't just like come out like next month. Um, so to speak, I get it, but. I still have to be a consumer and complain about it
2: well and, and the good I mean we everyone's listening, and uh, yeah. we'll figure out uh, for for people that doesn't work for the hope is that we can figure out a solution so um i don't I can't relate I didn't drink enough milk as a kid or something, but I don't have that <laughs> uh,
0: um yeah, I don't know what I drank i always i mean i I grew really fast and I could never gain weight. I actually I couldn't really grow that much and then for whatever reason uh, my mom would send me to bed every night with a tombstone pizza and then my grandma told me if I ate vanilla ice cream with, with like three heaping spoonfuls of peanut butter in it i'd get i'd get big (laughs) it's like the worst possible (laughs) diet ever (laughs) but hey i guess it works it's an iowa yeah it worked until my metabolism stopped and then i you know was in 38 40 pants and and uh triple x shirts for one year until i realized that you can't eat like a teenager your whole life. Well, well I, at least from what I saw today, you still did. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be more. I think um, you ate half of Carl's dinner the first <laughs> night we were here. Well, he left it on his plate too long. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think about this whole process, Carl? I mean, to obviously, you know, you've told me that you've done some videos with sportsman's channel and outdoor channel i know you've done other podcasts so to have to have a company kind of get this extensive for a product i mean was it cool to be part of or you can be honest
3: no actually you know it was it was quite fascinating and you know throughout my career i've tried to stay you know kind of away from a lot of the the product development product testing but you know, I got contacted by SICK, and I saw the way that they, the way that they do business yep. and the way that the, the testing and the, the, the science behind all their work. It was actually an educational experience for me as well to do some of that with them. So it was, it was a fascinating to be part of that process. And it's, I really, you know, my hat's off to them for the, the quality of the, the research that they put into the products they develop.
2: From One of the things, too, I, I, just having these guys there, just so everybody understands, like, we had even started to build some tools on, like, trying to get exactly what the distance was. And, you know, we had written an algorithm, to, or James had actually written that, and then Carl and us got in a conversation. Carl was like, you, you can't say that. Or that doesn't look right, or that's not exactly right, or and then James was—they went back and forth talking about that, and he was like, "Yeah, that's really good input." So we we had to reframe. So these guys, without them, you know, I would I could have been saying something that wasn't fully accurate, and that's what—that's the whole reason they're here because they helped us understand what the what is actually happening.
0: Yeah, it was a major deal because even when we left the other day, the guys that that are in that lab every day as gore employees they're like so are we sending this sound booth back to you at sitka and you're like uh and they're they're looking at like yeah we we do want this big contraption out of here <laughs> they so gotta I mean, keep it, it. yeah it was an investment i mean it, it was
3: you know following up on what chris says what was really neat is when we provided that kind of input sitka never with, with james and myself they never tried to have us say something that we weren't comfortable with saying or have us try to say something that the data didn't say, allow us to say. Yeah. So they, they stuck, they stuck with the data.
0: They tried to pick materials that would, I guess, support where you, where you wanted the data to be, I guess. So did you, did you conclude, did you find an algorithm that you're comfortable with Maybe I could
1: say just a word about that. For one, like the concept of the algorithm was fine, up to say like forty to fifty yards, which is what it was intended for. But it did go essentially like to infinity beyond that. And that was more the the region of where you should take into account the absorption of air. Yeah, yeah. So um Or like you said, if
0: you're in a place that has leaves, obviously it's different than being in the bow zone it's going to be completely different
2: and I think it's neat to hear like if you can talk about the six decibels and how we got to half the audible so one of the things we did was we learned that it's hot it's basically on average half audible engagement distance and we did that by doing typical movements that you do within let's call it 60 yards on a deer that's finding a range finder maybe to get a last minute range if you didn't get it correct or you want to second guess i'm Uh, getting that constantly yeah like personally
0: yeah i mean ranging is probably the most movement that i do okay
3: let let me clarify what what you said that the half when you said half audible they need to understand that we tested the 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 original uh fanatic with the new fanatic correct and what we found is that they cut the noise what we call the engagement distance or the the distance that a deer would perceive that that sound by half
1: hmm yeah that's Yeah, we did a large number of tests. We did a preliminary study in Bozeman in in a studio there, and then we did a couple days at the Gore facilities. And, excuse me, after all these measurements, we saw that the new Fanatic was, on average, six decibels quieter than the old Fanatic. And this is at the point of where the noise was the greatest above the audio the threshold of hearing for the deer so it's the part that would stick out the most for the deer and the inverse square law of sound says that when you get a six decibel reduction that it it, well it takes a doubling of the distance from the source to get a six decibel reduction so if you essentially take that in reverse that that six decibel reduction is like the deer has to be half the distance that it would otherwise be from you you know under whatever conditions to yeah. to hear it
0: yeah that's i mean that's substantial so in other words a deer that you could make a rangefinder movement it could hear you at right at 40 yards you can have that same deer at 20 yards and essentially it's the same audible would that be the yeah. correct way to put it i guess
1: and and to stick with the whole idea of just you know sticking with the data it, like i said we did lots of measurements we did lots of different movements that a bow hunter would use and lots of different users and that was average so in some cases and this also brings up another good point in some cases you might experience a lot more some people might not quite experience that exact same thing just depending on how maybe how hard they you know they rub up against but um, it was on average, it was that half, halving of the distance. And the other good point that, that this brought up was they probably saw from your other video that it was loud in that climate chamber. You know, like the, you know, there's a lot of fans blowing all that air through there, there's a lot of compressors to get down to 50 below Celsius. Um, and, you know, they put this whisper room in the chamber to. One, to reduce those background noise levels, and then also to get rid of the reflections to make it more, you know, as close as is possible within that type of a chamber to get an anechoic room. But um, still, even though, you know, they went to Great Lakes to make this room, there's still some fan noise coming in. There's still some compressor noise. Uh, the the point is, is that the, when they measured the new Fanatic, it was actually at the level of the background in a lot of cases, which... I I won't give a big technical explanation, but that means that it's actually below, probably significantly below the background. So that difference between what the old Fanatic was and what the new Fanatic is is actually probably larger in a lot of cases.
3: So the bottom line is that 6-decibel difference is a very conservative Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's based on the fact that you can't eliminate the background white noise to where you could say arguably actually it was 8 or, you know, is you would have to have the background noise at 8 or whatever for that to be be possible. Yeah, that's that's uh really cool. I mean, I'm I'm excited for people to have it because and one of the things that I'm excited about too is just going to gore. When we walked in, you know, we were able to get a full to- tour and I didn't realize that like the base material of, of Gore-Tex is a rock <laughs> that looks like kryptonite. Like, that's what it looks like. It's not green, though. It was green, <laughs> wasn't it?
3: It's I it was
1: kind of fluorescent green. Like I thought it was green. green. I took a picture of it. Maybe I'm colorblind. And they ref-
0: <laughs> they refine it. They, they essentially grind it down to where it, it's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It would almost be like, a very miniaturized like baby powder pellet That's almost like but it felt talc mm-hmm. mixed with waxy and they've like learned some process to be able to take this rock grind it up into you know you could call it like the size of salt particles but it's really not um, it's like a mix between the size of a salt particle but like the feel of talc and wax mixed together. And then they make this into a laminate that they make it into a world of things first off, but from our application anyway, they make it into a, a laminate that's, you know, windproof or waterproof, depending on how you essentially tape the seams is what clarifies wind stopper from Gore-Tex. The membrane itself is the same. It's the sealing of the membrane that that separates the two correct well there also may be so like there's
2: hundreds of thousands of recipes with what they do or ways that they deal with it but it there might be slight variations between the two because they can make it thinner thicker they can do all sorts of things they can make it stiff that super pliable they so there's all these different things i mean it's in Heart stents. It's in car headlights. You know, they. I mean, the number of things.
0: iPhones, p- car headlights, space shuttle, space suits, body guitar parts. strings, body <laughs> part. Yeah, <laughs> body parts. Um, obviously, <laughs> now you're talking like you know headphones, which totally makes sense. It would like, you know, it'd be like a perfect like you know drum essentially. Um, but I think all this is important because it's not a plastic it's not you know when people think of well why is a rain suit so much well you know it's not plastic like the way i saw the facility was staggering it's i mean it's it's a science that is in its own category i feel like
2: yeah and every Dortex garment has to go past the test that they have so every jacket not like every jacket that's made but before you can release the jacket, before it, were, it has to like go through their testing. Yep. Um, and that's and it has to pass that testing, and that's that it's not you're not allowed to bring it out until it passes that testing. That's part of the reason too. Some of it might be a little bit more expensive because that well, testing is, is the guarantee. I mean, yeah, it's that's more
0: that's expensive because
2: guaranteed to keep you dry.
0: It's a it's a different product, and it's you know time. Someone said it once, like time's the most valuable thing you can give someone, mm-hmm. you know. And when, when there's time to perfecting a product that's really, really good, then you don't get it for nothing, you know. You don't. I mean, if I build a bow, I'm not doing it for nothing, you know. If if someone that's a specialist in their field does it, they're they're not going to do it for nothing. So, you know, but after seeing what I'm seeing, there's no question that there's a reason why regardless of the price, everyone's like, it's the best Garmin I own period, Mm -hmm. you know, when, and I like that. I mean, I like that about bows. I like that about an arrow, you know, I, yeah, I can shoot an arrow that has a 3000 straightness, but I'm not because they make a 1000, they make less than a 1000, you know, and that's why I shoot it. I could shoot a plastic handheld release, but I don't. You know, I could shoot an aluminum release, but I don't. I, you know, I have Carter make them because I feel like they make the best ones. And the same is true with rifles or, you know, precision handguns. It's like there's, even with knives, you know, you... you you go and look at a knife in Walmart, you know, you can go get a bear Grylls knife and it's like, yeah, it's a good knife. And it, you know, I can definitely wreck some stuff around my campfire with it, but there's also some like works of art and, you know, I'm to the point where I like finding the works of art regardless of the field. And I feel like this is one of those pieces.
2: Yeah, well, we're super, we're super excited, and I think people are really going to get more out of it. I mean, we tried to build a system too. I mean, there's a pack that goes with it that's just like I worked with Jim on that one, and yeah. that like he's as crazy about packs as you can get about making them quiet. Like he'd be like, "You can't use this," you know, and <laughs> and like throw it on the floor and be like, and so I I sat down with him and we we laid all the stuff that he wants in his pack out and laid it down, looked at the features, and then we basically took. What would be the Berber DAP sack and turn it into a really technical pack? It can carry your bow, and carry your antlers in a really neat way, and so, so everything like a reverse engineer almost. Yeah, based on what's what he needs for that application. Yep, and it's not going to be for everyone. I don't think that pack's going to be for everyone. But if you're somebody that really cares about being quiet, that's a p- good pack for you. Well, if and you're not, some people
0: are only whitetail hunters Mm -hmm. you know some people are crossover hunters you know you're if you go out west a few times a year and you need any structure in a backpack it's just you know you need to find one that allows you to do everything but if you want something that's super specific to long sits during the rut where you know being quiet matters, then that's what it's designed for, which is cool in a different way. It's very, very specialized. It's no different than when people say, well, you know, why are you shooting a 40 inch target bow? You know, why don't you shoot the 37? Well, I do shoot the 37 if I'm in field, but for indoor, I shoot the 40 and I have super specific reasons why, you know, and it's because Hoyt makes, bows very specific for you know they allow you to customize so to speak you know you can pick cams you can pick some limb links and and so you can really fine-tune something that fits your exact application or your exact size um or in this case like what you take to the stand because what i the hardest part for me is the first like two to three days of whitetail season where I'm really at it because I'm coming back from being out West and, you know, I'm realizing, you know, damn it, where's my peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I don't need this cow call in here, you know? (laughs) And then you kind of start realizing, yeah, I need, you know, my grunt tube goes here. My pull-up rope goes in here. This is where my camera base goes. I mean, it's like a whole – restructure, you know, you have to learn it. And if that's the person you are from the whitetail world, then obviously that's the stuff that you've already thought out. It's really cool. It doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have any buckles. There's a few buckles, but they're contained within, within the Berber. Mm -hmm. Um, but more or less the main compartments are all like on a I don't even. How would you describe it's the? It's pla- similar
2: to a molly, like military, but it's like you, you pull down and there's and you push them back through, and it's it kind of works like a molly system. Yeah. But uh, they're they're just totally silent. Um. <laughs> and, uh, um. You know, we one of the things we just sometimes. I mean, we've all had it happen. You just inevitably like you're clicking a buckle or you're moving the pack and it clicks off your stand, and that's like one of the things like. Everything gets cut off, that's not. and and so we wanted no buckles. we want nothing like literally nothing and it's built with no structure on purpose. So some people may not like that, but the idea is when you get up in the stand and you pull everything out that you need, the thing falls away on the stand and doesn't become, A giant piece on the side so we're trying to reduce the profile in the stand so that's why there's no structure to the pack but like i said if you want to go take that big game hunting you probably have a bad experience but if you're going to take it to whitetail hunting and you want to have a low profile in the tree it's fit for use yeah
0: yeah it'd be no different than you know taking a 2800 out whitetail hunting you'd be like what in the world do i have this (laughs) huge pack up here for yeah (laughs) camera people i guess (laughs) Any of you two have anything you want to talk about?
3: You know, one of the things that's interesting is, uh, you know, we, we talked about some pretty technical stuff here about, you know, the sound and the decibels and the phones and stuff like that. But uh, uh, the easiest way, I, my wife asked me what, we, what I was doing. and you know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> to, 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 to explain it to the simplest terms, what I did is I went down to the basement and I pulled out the old Fanatic, I pulled out the new Fanatic. I rubbed my hand against both of them. She goes, Wow. <laughs> so basically there's your answer all that data you got a while from her yeah you know, i mean it's, it's that much difference yeah in the sound
0: but without without losing comfort and and just the benefits of what you know a fanatic is um you know i every now and then i look through what people comment and post sometimes i do sometimes i don't um, but I looked at the, one of the, some of the comments from that, um, weather chamber and someone made a comment, um, bought a fanatic light, absolutely hate it. You know, said freaking wind blows right through it. And I'm like, dude, that doesn't have wind stopper. Like it's not, that piece is made to be completely different. You know, you can't, that's that's what's really difficult about Sica, um, from a consumer point of view, is the learning curve, which is why I'm, you know, I really feel like it's an obligation for me because I know people are buying it that listen to Knock On. I want to learn, and I want people to also know what they're buying, and you know, a Stratus is different than a fanatic light a fanatic light is different than a stratus and a regular fanatic um same's true with like a celsius right um so every one of these systems are very specialized but the other thing though is once you realize what that piece does that you bought like if you buy a fanatic light yeah it's gonna be a little bit cheaper because it doesn't have some of that tech not like it doesn't have the krypton rock in it like we talked about um but that doesn't mean you don't have the option to make it work the way that you want with other layering pieces so one of the things that was cool was like this um we've hunted twice and each time you've taken essentially the same pieces of a puzzle but you've put them together different to see you're like I want to kind of layer a little different today to see you know how it works essentially you're trying to get to the same end result um, but with different math to get there yeah I did it today I won't say what I was testing I was miserable um it didn't work <laughs> it didn't work out well it didn't work out well um, yeah you're like what do you think of this dude i'm like looking at this i'm like i don't know yeah and <laughs> and so, so i went out and t- <laughs> uh, did it and i was like eh, not so good probably won't do that <laughs> yeah well i found its limits yeah well and that's awesome It's awesome that you guys do i know barklow does the same thing um you know you go to barklow's uh building there where he shoots and he's got like four different you know, sleeping bags on the ground and tents, and he's like camping out at night for no reason, just trying different like systems. He does it, but he keeps it way neater than me. It's like <laughs> yeah. all put away, and mine's like a pile in the corner. Do you see what I do at Barclow? Like, just so everyone knows, John Barclow, his organization is like Clint Eastwood at on Heartbreak Ridge. <laughs> Remember where he had like the shirts and they were all like folded perfect? So. Being myself, I would like intentionally pull one little thing out at Barclos to where like he had all of his ski boots in like perfect spacing and in a line. So I'd like slide one out a little bit and uh, me and his wife Jules would just sit back and see how long till he like walked by and looked at it like, you know, which is kind of like a deer in a way, you know, sometimes people say, I don't know how I got pegged and I'm like, well. Deer, like to a deer, that area if they're there all the time, that's like your living room. If all of a sudden someone was just hiding behind your lazy boy, even if they were hiding behind it, you'd walk in your living room and be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> it's the same way, right? And that's how it was with Barklow. Like, I don't think it was really the fact that it was moved. It was just the fact that it was different. Yeah, and I, I, I call
2: r- that poking the bear. Because I, do poke it, the bear. I, I like to poke the bear too, but then I know that he could finish me in any what like within two seconds, like I'd be done. <laughs> yeah. So and that's why it's so much fun. Um, but yeah. Do
0: you do you agree with that? What I just said for for deer, like something new in their environment.
3: Uh, yeah, you, you can even test that yourself. You know, if you got a camera out over a salt block and the salt block runs out, leave it run out for a while and, and then put a the new salt block out. And all of a sudden they're leery of it for a while until they they get used to it, you know. Deer they they have to get used to whatever's different.
2: Yeah. I think the most interesting about the when I went to the deer is the Jolly Rancher thing. I I really (laughs) was fascinated by how much they've
3: told that story about six times. (laughs) Yeah, deer like a lot of unusual things. They like jolly ranchers, they like cigarettes, and they like Levi Garrett.
0: (laughs) oh man that's hilarious all right everybody well we're getting close to that time um my wine's gone your coors lights your mountains aren't blue um i don't know what you had chris had bullet okay he had bullet
1: james what do you got bullet with a little coke in it nice Or I should say coke with a little bullet in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay you can act tough no one can see you right now
0: um, alright everybody well hopefully you enjoyed this podcast um, there's some very very informative videos coming out um, talking about a lot of this I got to see a little bit of, I don't think I've seen I haven't seen all of what you guys did for the video I could kind of see it Playing in the background, but it looks like there's some really informative stuff coming out for people to be able to to see this in graphs and. Yeah,
2: I think um, so. Just so everybody knows, this we're, you'll hear about it after ATA, but it's not going to be available till next summer when new like before the deer you're not
0: going to wear that out (laughs) no it's not spring turkey (laughs) (laughs) um so
2: yeah it it won't come out till the summer and then i also just want to let everybody know one of the things i'm actually most excited about on this product too is that constant connect harness board that was something i was really passionate about but I hated having the dis. The right way to do it is always be tied into the tree. Yeah. Flipping, flipping your linemans around. I, you know, I think that's really cool because you can now ta- take on and off your jacket without
0: disconnecting your harness tether, yeah, which you should never do. He's made a. He's made a really cool. Um, I guess it's like a snap flap. Can we call it that? Yeah. Snap, magnets and snaps. Y- yeah, snap flap. Um, that's on the rear collar that allows you if you have your safety harness on which you should even uh on your you know on your lighter layers a lot of times you know you don't want to wear especially with like a fanatic you're not going to want to wear that jacket on a walk-in you're going to internally combust because it's it's extremely warm so a lot of times you would have that jacket on your backpack you know you want to clip your carabiner on you want to take that all the way up with your lifeline. Then you get in the stand. And the last thing you want to do once you're all the way up in a stand is have to unhook your safety harness to thread it through a jacket. So, um, you know, now there's the option with this snap flap. That's a, that's a knock on term, um, (laughs) for you to put your jacket on, undo the snap flap and, you know, pretty much move it around to the outside of your um well half in half out i guess you tuck it underneath the the your safety belt that's coming out of the um, center of your shoulders so that you know you're not having your that same strap pull your collar out which gives you a terrible draft down there you know so it's uh, a it's a super cool concept, and it allows you to not have all the bulk and crap of the shoulder straps on the outside of your jacket, which kind of gets to be a pain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out. And other than that, does anyone got anything to say? No. No. Thanks, thanks for coming and not seeing deer with us <laughs> all day today. <laughs> I've had the best time. <laughs> this we're we're in uh, Maryland right now, and. Uh, we're hunting with a guy we're fortunate enough that brought us out here and this is just a good old boy i mean his name's joe he's how old is he i think he's like 82
1: yeah i think he's 82
0: 82 years old and this guy's got a you know got his barn with a bunch of his mounts in here that he shot over the year there's a pieball deer full body mounted in a glass in a glass like I don't know what would you call that a tank display case, display case. <laughs> like I have a wood duck in a glass display case <laughs> not a full piebald doe deer um so and yeah it's a it's a cool place he's a cool guy but you know it's it's eastern hunting so you know you're you're not seeing mass you know it's not hunting the the milk river in Montana where you're seeing 70 deer a night or whatever so yeah, it's been kinda of fun and I think any of you out there who have gone to your grandpa's and gotten one of his stands <laughs> you know what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I don't I'm not I don't wanna say anything bad because the guy's awesome, but um yeah. I my stand this morning had several of the ladder rungs were buckled in half and rusted out and it had a uh, a rifle rail around the front, even though I was bow hunting. Wind was at my back at the stand. I think, I think at one of my, I had one shooting lane at seven yards and one at nine. But let's face it you drew the short straw
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know how it wasn't on purpose but you were sending me pictures and I was like laughing I was no, no, like and I felt a little bad because you were in the stand
0: and not me <laughs> No, it sounded
3: I, an awful lot like my stand too though <laughs> maybe <laughs> we're <running> together again
0: <laughs> yeah but you know I what I love about that is um, I just love balance in life and to me Coming out here and hunting is balanced because, you know, hunting in the Midwest, you know, it's, it's bigger deer and, you know, the, all the habitat and the regulations are right for conditions to be better. And, you know, you have really good hunts in the rut, you know, you have really good hunts. So just like, you know, I loved going to Alberta for 10 days and never, never. Getting within a hundred yards of an elk, and then taking another fourteen days before I finally shot one. Mm-hmm. You know, I li- I liked that. I liked that. You know, two hundred miles before I shot a bull. But then I also liked going to a place where there was bull screaming everywhere. You know, I was like, okay, well, at least I have a balance. You know, I'm not like I'll, I'll go all to that f- place. Yeah, I'm now. not all <laughs> fluff. I'm not all like hardship. You know, I like a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. So, all right, everybody. Um, thanks for everything. You know, I appreciate you. And check these guys out. They're cool guys. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.